Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're beginning a series, uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Daniel, and uh, really, really relevant stuff for us as we live homeless, but not rootless, and relevant as well as we look at things like night shelter, and we look at our world as it is, where many are homeless today. Uh, but this is a deeper homelessness that we're looking at in chapter one. It's a deeper homelessness. It's about a sense that we are made, if you like, for another world. That actually we were created for a world beyond this one. And I wanted to start with a little reading. Uh, you may have caught this on Facebook a few months back, uh, but it certainly resonates with me because I know I can live in the moment very easily and live as if this world is all there is. But let's just hear these words. Uh, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but uh, it certainly resonates. In a mother's womb were two babies. One asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? The other replied, why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we're here to prepare ourselves for what we will be later. Nonsense, says the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second one says, well, I don't know. There will be more light than here. Maybe we will walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses that we can't understand now. The first replied, that is absurd. Walking is impossible. And eating with our mouths, ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything that we need. But the umbilical cord is so short, life of delivery is to be logically excluded. The second insisted, well, I think there is something. And maybe it's different than here. Maybe we won't need this cord anymore. But the first replied, nonsense. Moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life, and in the after delivery, there's nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we will meet mother, and she will take care of us. But the first replied, mother, you actually still believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, where is she now? The second said, she's all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not be. Said the first, well, I don't see her, so it's only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes when you're in silence and you focus and you really listen, you can perceive her presence and you can hear her loving voice calling down from above. And I, I, when I read that, it just really encouraged me that actually I know that I live, if you like, um, attached to the umbilical cord of this life, maybe not always trusting that there is a God <coughs> beyond, that there is a God that is within and also a world that is beyond this one. And Daniel and his friends, as Andy said, are taken out of Jerusalem quite brutally, although we hear in verse two that God is in control, interestingly enough, but they're certainly in exile. And they're away from the temple is destroyed. Everything perhaps that they'd hoped for in Jerusalem has been taken away. And there they are in a, in a strange land far from home. And whether that's you, whether you've uh, moved here from another place, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, uh, whether you feel that you've always felt a little bit of an outsider in church or in Birmingham or whatever that is, there is hope in this passage, isn't there? And not only that, there is hope for those of us who are in really, really difficult times of our lives 
and that will be true for many of you here, who think, how on earth did I end up here? How on earth did I end up here? I set off so well in my Christian life. Well, maybe you're not yet a Christian, but you know that life has got you to a place where you think, how did I get here? I wasn't meant to live here. And I think one of the beautiful things that we read as we've just heard about Daniel is he knows that actually God's ways are higher than the ways of man. And actually that there is a purpose beyond what is seemingly going wrong and actually God is in control. And as we look through the passage a little bit and get into the detail, I hope that we will uh, really see that. This little boy is a boy that I met in Dunkirk. Uh, Some of you will know that I was there just a few weekends ago uh, with a team taking some of your stuff over to keep uh, the refugees warm. Uh, Still over a thousand refugees are there in the camp. And uh, we went round knocking on every door uh, to meet with the the families there and uh, to give them a little bit of hope and encouragement in different ways. And this was the first door I knocked on. Very, very nervous, I have to say. Uh, I don't know what I was afraid of, but I was afraid probably of the unknown. And this is the face that greeted me uh, in the first little hut uh, that I came to. And and the whole time uh, that I was with him, his face looked like that. Homeless, but not rootless. There's something internal in that little boy that is still full of hope. Now, I have to say, we met other children who were not still full of hope. We met one child who couldn't even raise his head because he was so depressed. Um, So that is the world of refugees. It's the world of being estranged from where we're meant to be. And yet, I keep that picture on my phone. Uh, And in a way, it says all that I want to say in, in many ways with this talk, that actually when we live within, there is a resource within us that is greater than what the world can do, that actually that is more powerful. And I don't know this little boy's story, I'd love to know it, but this was his demeanour, this was his countenance, if you like, when we met with him. C.S. Lewis says this, If I find myself with a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. How did one man say so many wise things? (laughs) I mean, just incredibly true. And if you're not a Christian today, there may be that there's something about that that resonates with you. I don't know, but I just feel that that there's some resonance that just makes us think, if this is all there is, God help us. And I mean that literally. But if it's not, then we get to live for a world beyond this one, a kingdom of Jesus Christ, a kingdom of kindness, a kingdom where our accent needs to stand out. When we live in exile, what happens if we we move into Birmingham? I don't think this has happened yet, but you can tell me if it has. We start to pick up the accents. I'm a Londoner, uh, a Surrey girl, as some of you know, and I don't think I have. I know I lived in 10 years in Dudley, and I do know there, which the accent is very strong, I did start going up at the end of sentences, and I heard myself once praying out loud in a group and I was going, you know, all right, Lord, you know, you know, talking like this. And I thought, what on earth has happened to me? But you start to pick up the accent. And yet Jesus has said that our words need to be accented, distinctively accented with love. 
And that's true for Daniel. Daniel, when he goes to say that he's not going to eat, that he's not going to defile himself, we hear Daniel resolve not to defile himself. It's not just he's on a fad diet, (laughs) all right? He's actually saying he won't defile himself. He will not eat of the meat of the king's court, nor will he drink of it. Why? Because he says it's defiling for him coming in as an outsider, but does he just blast everyone and and shout and scream? No, he goes with gentle words, with kindness. He approaches, he explains why he's doing what he's doing. And we hear in one of the verses before that, that actually he finds favor. The Lord gives him favor when he goes to approach to say, I will not eat. He will only eat vegetables and drink water. And at the end of the 10 days, this is good news, isn't it? They look healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men. Because Daniel, if you like, lays out a fleece. He says, I won't, and he draws a line. I won't, and he draws a line. He says, I won't do this, and I'll hold you to be accountable on that. I won't do this, and he draws a line. Now, I wonder today for us, as we look at this passage, Where's our line going to be? His line was about food. And we might think, well, this is a bit odd for a prophet coming into a strange place. There are so many things that he could have taken a stand on. He goes and he actually almost is at university, isn't he? And that he's taught by people who are not of his his land, if you like. And yet it's food that he picks as his line which is bound up very much in his faith. Now, for us, it might be something different. I suspect that it might be. But as we go to work, as we go to our mums and toddlers group, as we move with our Christian friends and our non-Christian friends, how are we going and where are we going to draw a line? Is there an area, as we've just been singing about, where temptation really comes over us that we think, you know, I've got to draw a line here so that I can stand out for Jesus Christ? in my workplace, in my life group, in my friendship group, whatever that is, how can I stand for Jesus Christ? Uh, My my brother-in-law is a rugby player and has been for many years, and he has decided right from the first time that he made the rugby team, when he played for county, that he would not drink at all. Now, we ribbed him, we teased him, we probably tempted him growing up, I don't know, but it used to really irritate me that he was teetotal. I found him sanctimonious, I felt judged if I ever had a little glass of something when we were at a social gathering, but actually, I admire him more than I can say now, looking back, because he was a really good rugby player, and he let his rugby do the talking but he was very, very well loved and respected by the whole team. Now that was his line, and you know, it's not mine, but we will all have our lines that actually we can say, I won't, and the reason for that is I will not let the culture of the day actually take me, take me over, if you like, but I will stand up and I will stand out. And there's something in me that excites me about that, because there are some pretty incredible people around, aren't there, of all faiths, One thing that trip taught me to Dunkirk is some beautiful Muslims that we worked with, some beautiful Jewish people that came with us. There are some stunning people, but Jesus has said that we need to stand up for his ways, keep his accent, keep his commands in all all ways. Um, My sister and I went to a little tea shop that we go to in a garden centre, and actually my sister's, one of my sister's best friends, a a lovely Christian girl called Jew, is the the boss of this place. And uh, interestingly, 
we were waiting for our fruit smoothies yesterday, my sister and I, and we were listening to a conversation, two of the people who were getting our food ready and getting our smoothies out of the pack and in the blender, and there were two women talking, and they were talking about the boss, which is Carol's friend. <laughs> Awkward moment. They didn't know we were listening. They were just there uh, in the little open kitchen uh, with the door open. And it, obviously I was thinking a lot about this talk, but it was so lovely. One of the things they picked up on about her, she said, don't you just love the way she speaks to us? Don't you just love the way that she really talks to us like she really values us? And I caught other parts of the conversation, but that was the bit that stood out for me. I felt so proud of Jew. And I don't know whether to tell her or not. Um, Val says yes. Um, but actually... How brilliant to be, in a way, to overhear someone talking about someone who is living for Christ in that garden centre, who's managing it, who, who is uh, actually speaking words that are laced with love and grace, that are affecting her colleagues, and uh, how lovely to have that said. So Daniel says, I won't, that might be I won't get involved with gossip, it might be that I won't steal from work, whether that's time, whether that's resources, it may be that it will be that you won't drink, because you know that actually for you that is a problem and you're better just with it out of your life. Whatever it is, there are some I won'ts of the gospel that we're asked to think about, to pray about, and maybe all of us today, I know in preparation of this talk, there's one thing particularly that God has highlighted for me, and the same may be true for you. So we draw our line, but, and some of you will know I'm very passionate about this, what a sad thing if Christians are only known for what we won't do. Because my heart sinks, if that's the case. If we're there with our banners against everything, against everything, against life, against having fun, against smiling, against having a good time, now I know I'm being uh, cheeky there. But what a sad world, what a sad kingdom, when actually we're of a kingdom of light, a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of humour, abundant life. So what are the I wills? Because if all Daniel had done is walk around with a sour face, looking terrible and eating vegetables and drinking water, I'm not sure his impact would have been so great. But how amazing that actually Daniel looks incredible. Why? Because his inner life is exceeding his outer life. He and his friends pull back, but they also say, I will. I will testify to the living God. I will stand up for him. I will stand out for him. And I believe that the I wills that we make, the promises we make God, and yes, we will fail and we'll get it wrong. We've just been singing that it's his righteousness that defends us. And I'm so grateful for that. But yet, we want to be changed in our inner life, and God is able to do that for us. In every matter of wisdom and understanding, the king found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Daniel's I will is I will keep close to my God. In pulling back, in fasting if you like, in spiritually being disciplined, in withdrawing from what could taint him, he says I will. And actually God honours Daniel. He honours us when we make a stand for him, whether it's a small stand or a big one. And what is interesting is he has this brilliant, better than all the magicians, all the enchanters that the king might rely on. Here is Daniel, and there's a wisdom in Daniel that is surpassing anything that anyone else could bring in the court of the king. Why? Because 
He is actually listening to the living God, and that can be true for you and I. He's given us spiritual gifts, as we heard a couple of weeks ago. He's given us the gift of wisdom, some of us, the gift of discerning. We can pray for discernment in your work situations, whatever that might be today. Maybe there are really difficult decisions that are going on for you at the moment. We can ask for wisdom, and maybe while we're doing that, there could be an I won't. We might fast for a friend that's on Alpha. We might fast for a colleague at work that we just so want to be rescued from a situation they're in. And actually, I believe that as we do that, we are given greater wisdom and greater understanding, as was true with Daniel. Terry Waite, um, some of you will remember, quite some time ago now, years ago, was taken as a hostage. He was an ambassador in the Church of England. He was going actually over to Lebanon, to Beirut, to try and help those who were in captivity. He knew it was high risk, if you've read his book, Taken on Trust. Uh, He knew it was high risk, and yet he still went. He went as an ambassador, which is true, if you like, for all of us. He went, if you like, into another culture and was taken captive. And he was five years with no uh, real interaction other than with his captors. He was in solitary confinement. He only ate what they gave him to eat. He had no reading matter with him. And I read that book thinking, I would go mad. Do you? I just think, how? (laughs) How on earth? I mean, I'm a people person. People are are the, the greatest blessing other than Jesus in my life. I can't even get my head around what that must be like. But as he starts to talk about it, he talks about living within. Let's just look at these two quotations. Break my body, bend my mind, not break his mind, interestingly, but bend it. But my soul is not yours to possess. You have to learn to live within. That was my hope, that my soul lay in the hands of Christ and wasn't to be taken. And I think there's something with Daniel and his friends that says, yeah, we'll go so far with you. We'll go along with this and we'll go along with that. and We'll even do your training and education that you bring, but you won't have our souls. And their, their won't is almost saying, I'm still living for the kingdom here. I draw my line but I will testify to the living God. About what God's doing through his people, through his exiled people, if you like, all over the world. I think sometimes when we maybe despair of uh, the world and the news, maybe we're even scared to put the news on sometimes, it's so good to be reminded that there are people living, if you like, as aliens in another land across the world, living for the kingdom in big ways, in small ways, that the I will, uh, I will follow wherever you lead me. And actually, when times are tough, for us personally as well, to actually trust in the I wills of God. Um, The I will of God here is interesting. As I said in verse two, we hear that actually it's the Lord that allows what happens when Daniel is taken to exile. A Little bit like Job, if you like, there's a super director over the whole thing and it's God. And he says there and no further. Then in verse nine, we hear that now God had caused the official to show favor to Daniel. So God is in control. Yes, it's Daniel making a stand, but ultimately it's the I will of God. I will be with you, says God. In verse 17, to these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding. 
And then finally in verse 21, Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. In other words, whatever man tried to plot against him and maybe tried to bring him down, at the end of chapter one, we hear that Daniel remains. Now we know, no spoilers here, but we know it's gonna get worse before it gets better, don't we? I think we probably know that. Uh, and uh, hear that the All Age Service was brilliant last week at just helping us to really think even if, uh, really, really brilliant service and great truth. But as we come to respond to this chapter, what will the I won't be for you and I? What will be the line that we draw? Maybe a new line today that just says, I'm going to really, really promise to pull back from that part of life here because I'm living for a world that is beyond this. I'm living for a kingdom that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I know his teachings are different. Interestingly, Daniel and his friends kept their accent of love, but they did engage with the learning of the day as well because they had a deeper understanding beyond that that was an understanding of God. In the Bible, Jesus says, as he prays for us, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. My prayer is that not we're taken out of the world, we're in it, we, we are estranged, we're, we're aliens, if you like, for want of a better world. But actually he's going to protect us as we make a stand for him. And then Paul says in Hebrews, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. And uh, I don't know whether you uh, <laughs> look around and we, we see aliens amongst us, you all look very lovely to me, uh, but we, that's who we are. We are living, if you're a follower of Jesus today, we're living for his I will and maybe for also for his I won't. Uh, I'd love to pray for us as we respond to the brilliant example of Daniel and his friends. I'm sure he didn't always get it right and we won't, but he was a man who had a resolve, a resolve to live for the kingdom. And uh, I'd love to pray for us. I'd also just love to pray for anyone who, perhaps this is, is, is a different teaching and you haven't heard before that there is Jesus is, is worth living for. He thought we were worth dying for and he's given us eternal life if we believe and trust in him. He's created us for a world beyond this one. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you pray for us. And thank you that we read in your word that you pray specifically that we will not be taken out of the world, but that we will be protected within it. And Lord, I pray for us, for my brothers and sisters here who, who believe and follow in you, Jesus, that you would help us to make those decisions, those spiritual disciplines that say, I will pull back from that, I will fast from that. Maybe even as we approach Lent, that we'll give up a certain thing. And Lord, as we do that, as we pull back from this world, we thank you that there is a power beyond that that is greater, that will give us wisdom in the decisions that we're facing that will give us comfort where we feel homesick for the life we once knew. And Lord, for those I wills, I pray that as we here commit again to the ways that we will speak to our colleagues, the ways that we will love one another, the ways that we'll go the extra mile, like our brothers and sisters we've just heard from around the world, that we will follow your call that we will stand up and stand out for you, Jesus. And lastly, Lord, I do pray for anyone here who's 
maybe wondering about becoming a Christian. Maybe there's a sense that, that you were created for a world beyond this one, that the best is yet to come. We just pray, Lord, that your spirit would do his work amongst us. That you, Jesus, would be so real that people would know that you're worth following. And Lord, thank you that through your death on the cross and you rising again, we too can live for a world beyond this one because our treasure is in heaven and the best is yes to come for all that believe. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.